Hello and welcome to the Percussive Maintenance Podcast. I'm Herb Warple, Editor-in-Chief of Engineered Systems and host of the show. Today, we're chatting with Jane Sidebottom, President and Founder of Applied Marketing Knowledge, or AMK. In this episode, we'll examine Jane's career, what first attracted her to the engineering industry, and much more. Jane, could you start off, please, by introducing yourself? Yes, absolutely. I am so thrilled to be doing this, Herb. Uh, I am the principal and founder of Applied Marketing Knowledge, which I started about 13 years ago. And uh, we are a company that focuses on helping um, companies across the HVAC industry and a couple of others grow their business. I spent about more years than I probably want to confess to. I spent about uh, 10 plus years in the HVAC industry working for companies like Train and Carrier. Uh, So I have both a background in residential and commercial HVAC. And I started my career in Washington working for the leading uh, trade association for the architectural engineering industry. I worked for Sergeant Lundy Consulting Engineers in Chicago for a few years, and they operate mostly in the energy field. Uh, a couple of, you know, non-professional facts about me. I'm a frustrated golfer, because what isn't, and uh, spent a few years living in the Middle East. My father was an engineer in the facilities management arena, so I grew up around this. I joke I'm the daughter of an engineer, a wife of an engineer, an aunt of an engineer, and um, love all things about engineering. And I'm also a naturalized U.S. citizen. was born in Bermuda, and so don't let the American accent throw you. I, uh, I'm, not a US, I'm not an American, uh, but I am one by choice. So as you mentioned, your HVAC roots run deep. You have experience with Train and Carrier and also Friedrich. Uh, tell us about those experiences with those companies and how that experience led you to start AMK. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, had a, I've been very fortunate. I've had a, a very adventurous career. Um, I, I joined TRAIN um, you know, very early on in my career simply because someone reached out to me and said they had a job and they were looking, a job available, and they were looking for someone with my background in the energy arena. And, and I was very fortunate to get great advice from my dad who said, hey, if a door opens, walk through it. If you don't like the view, you can turn around and walk out. And I walked through that door and that really was my kind of entree into the HVAC world. So with, with Train, um, I benefited from the entrepreneurial culture at Train uh, the, the, the business training at train and, and really was given the opportunity to help the company identify and grow the business, which really served as a building block for AMK. When I went to Carrier, I took on a very uh, uh, big role in helping them to redesign their split system product line to meet uh, an energy efficiency um, government regulation change. And we were behind the eight ball. We, we were behind the schedule and, and we needed help. And I went looking out in the marketplace for help anywhere I could find it. 
And I was really quite stunned to find that very few consulting companies or marketing agencies or, or, or any of those kind of typical go-to people um, had very limited knowledge and understanding of our industry. And we ended up just bootstrapping it and doing it ourselves. And I think, as I think back, that's really what prompted me to, to start AMK because I realized that there was a big gap in the market for people who truly understood the industry and the products and, and could help fill the gaps that companies have from time to time when it comes to being able to drive their business results. My role at Friedrich on the board, um, it has, you know, when I think about it, actually, Herb, all of my, my uh, consulting assignments are consulting assignments because I have a team of people who work behind me have contributed to strengthening AMK because every time we go in and help a company work through a difficult challenge, um, we learn something. They learn something from us, we learn something from them. At Friedrich, and, and you know, I'm so honored to be on their board, I've learned it, I've learned the business from the other side, the, the, the governance side, um, the investor side, and, and, and things, I've been exposed to things there like uh, being on their audit committee and um, and being involved in helping to drive uh, growth of a company that relies heavily on the Asian market for um, sourcing. Uh, and it's given me and and my team as a result, um, I would I would argue one of the most comprehensive views of the industry. Um, I I am really, really blessed because the the people that I worked with and the people that taught me what I know today are in those companies that I get to work with. Jane, now the individual who nominated you for the 20 to watch women in HVAC contest said you are exceptionally skilled at quote, helping engineers translate their innovations into customer value. This is certainly a skill we can all benefit from. Can you share some of the secret sauce behind that? You know, as I mentioned, I'm the daughter, wife, and aunt of, a, of an engineer, and I've really grown to appreciate through my, the bulk of my life that engineers are really problem solvers. Um, they are masters at breaking down problems and, and, and looking at ways to be able to um, find a solution and make for a better outcome. And I love watching them do it. It is, uh, it, you know, in some ways it's almost like watching an artist put together a, a painting or a drawing. And, um, and it's like watching a human computer at times doing, you know, doing its job. But sometimes in their effort to solve a problem, they can start at the wrong place. And what I mean by that is, in my experience, especially in consulting, and I've, and I've had the opportunity to work with a large number of individuals that have come up with ideas and they build a company around it, but it's kind of the, hey, I've got this idea, let me go build it, and then hopefully somebody will buy it, or hopefully it will fit what a, a company or a client or a customer needs. And they wait too long in the process to get the customer's perspective. Because if you wait too long, sometimes you've missed what the, the point that, that you need to really make that solution valuable to the, to the customer. And it can happen in project work and it can happen in building new products. 
in the in the HVAC space in the commercial space, I regularly find that the design engineers really focus on product performance more than they focus on how the product can help deliver a better outcome for the building and ultimately the, the building owner's business. And if the engineer can connect the dots early between the solution that they're bringing to the table and how it can make for a better business outcome, then nine times out of 10, their product or their project solution is much more successful. I also find that there's a difference between kind of just checking the box and saying, yeah, we went and talked to some customers and we got their perspective on what we're trying to do here versus really being a voice of customer centric kind of company or project team. And when we think about what that means, it's instead of just going and asking once, it's going and asking at multiple stages through the project or the product development to make sure that you're connecting with the customer and what they need. And you're also using that customer feedback to adjust and modify and not wait until the end result. Now here is the part that I think is the secret sauce because you know I don't think that anyone would argue with you or I that being customer centric is a novel idea. It's certainly not. But the, the secret sauce comes into the fact that I think engineers need to be partnered with people that are not engineers but have an appreciation for what they do. They, th those people, I, I like to refer to them as strategic marketing people, but people, you know, professionals in their companies or around them that have the patience to really understand what the solution is that they're driving for and that can bring that, that perspective from the market and the customer in early to help them connect those dots. You know, it is, it is the two together that makes for a much better outcome as opposed to just the engineering and innovation that can make for a good outcome. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, that's a great segue into the next question. Uh, your career is a wonderful anecdotal example that you don't necessarily have to be an engineer to have success in this industry. Would you agree with that? Yes. And, and I'm going to tell you, I violently agree with it. I think, um, you know, as I look over the companies that I work with and the people that I work with, one of the, the common things I hear is that, um, that, that people say, well, we don't often see people like you. And that's because typically in this industry, we, we develop people out of engineering school or from a technical type of role into marketing and sales and, and market development. And I think that um, as a result, we've kind of created this expectation that you have to be an engineer to be successful in this industry. In reality, you don't. Um, but you have to have a passion and a true interest for the technical aspects of the industry and, and have the patience and the ability to work with engineers collaboratively in order to bring you know, their best work to the marketplace and, and to be successful. I would love to see 
and I know there's a couple of schools around the country. Uh, my nephew went to Cal Poly in Cal California, and I've worked with a marketing uh, professional who went to Cal Poly and actually has a degree in marketing. It's one of the few schools that I've come across that offers a technical marketing path to marketing and sales professionals. I'd like to see more of it uh, because I think that you know, having that, those two disciplines combined together um, can make for a great outcome. It certainly has served me very well. Gene, I know you said you grew up in and around engineering. You were surrounded by all angles. <laughs> when did you know that engineering was going to be the career for you? Yeah, so wish you could meet my dad. One of his kids was going to be an engineer, whether they wanted to or not. And neither me or my brother are. So, um, uh, no, I, my, my, my father exposed both my brother and I very early on in our lives to his profession. And he worked on, uh, uh, he worked for a company that supported the space program, for example, and large government projects overseas. So from a very early age, I, I went to work with my dad. I, I have an early memory where I sat at a drafting table with the old templates they used to have to draw like plumbing fixtures and other things and probably to keep me occupied while he was working. I probably totally destroyed someone's blueprint or someone's drawing because I probably did my own thing all over it. But I was exposed very early on. I got to see what, you know, what engineering looked like and what the output looked like because of my dad's profession. And certainly living on a Saudi naval base in, in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, as my dad commissioned that, that, um, that base and living around it and hearing the stories at, at dinner helped. But, but here's what I, I figured out pretty early on in my career, that, that there was a complexity and an opportunity in the marketplace um, that I didn't really appreciate as a kid. I mean, you know, engineers design and saw, design, design products and buildings and solve problems, but they're part of a bigger business kind of infrastructure. And, and my dad exposed me to the tie between the two. It wasn't just, hey, here's the engineering aspects. I got exposed to the engineering and business aspects. Now, on the HVAC side, I had no idea I'd end up in this industry. Mentioned I got a phone call one day asking me if I might be interested in a role. I was kind of like, hey, I got a good job. And uh, I kept talking to them and, and I got on a plane and I flew to Minneapolis and I met, and I, forgive me for name dropping because there are a couple of people who are pretty instrumental in my world. Um, Jay Altoff, uh, who used to run GreenHack, uh, uh, one of the divisions at GreenHack, um, John Suzukita, who is my boss at Train, and, and Vance Tang, and they were building this performance contracting business at Train that was really focusing in on driving business value from building systems. And I, I was totally hooked. They were within my age range, roughly. Um, they were doing some really dynamic things. I was working for an engineering company that all of our partners were men and they were over 50 and I couldn't really see a career path for myself there. And the light bulb went on, and I've never looked back. Now, the goal of our 20 to Watch Women in HVAC contest is to obviously celebrate the successes and achievements that the women have had in this industry. However, we know that challenges do exist. Can you share a few of those personal challenges that you've experienced as you've climbed the ranks in this industry? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, 
it's challenging, um, you know, as a professional, because I, I tend to be a more, you know, an optimistic person and I, and I don't kind of dwell on the struggles. I, I kind of look at them and say, well, you know, it was a struggle and it was hard and I learned something, but I have reflected on this a little bit and say that, you know, there were, there are any number of examples I could give that would have been a challenge for me. I would say the one that stands out is that Prior to joining the HVAC industry, I worked for this engineering company and a business development, I was in marketing and a business development manager, I think he left the company and he was responsible for supporting our Japanese clients at the time. I had been to Japan, uh, I had worked on some Japanese construction industry issues when I worked as a, a trade lobbyist in Washington, my first job out of college. Um, I, I love Asia. I thought this would be just a great role for me to have. And I went to him, I went to my boss and I said, you know, I, I got the courage up and I said, I, I'd like to be considered for this role. And he looked at me and he said, well, Jane, he said, I appreciate your interest, but the problem is that I really can't see you uh, whining, dining, customers and taking them out drinking all night and being comfortable in a strip club and and I I remember looking at them and and even to this day I'm a little I'm a little impressed with my own courage to do this and I said to him what because that's the only way you can entertain clients you know and and isn't it possible that I could do just as an effective job without doing those things and he kind of shook his head and he said no. you know the long story the long story short I did ultimately end up getting a business development job and getting that experience but I remember thinking why is that a barrier and you know as I reflect on on you know, it's a personal passion of mine, Herb, to, to help develop other, other women in the industry because I, as I look back on my own experiences, there's a couple of things that we still need to work on, um, not just in our industry, but across the business world. And, and, you know, some of those things are that, you know, women have, um, have different styles than men. And, and those styles uh, can collide at times. And without good mentorship, um, women don't have, don't, don't have the, you know, especially young women don't have the tools in order to figure out how to overcome those collisions and work around it. You know, as I reflect back, I, I had no female role models in my career. There were none, simply because coming into the, into the HVAC world, I, I didn't work with any um, female role models. They, they just didn't exist. The companies were all run by men and, and many of them still are today. And, and as I think about what I'm, what I do today, even with people that are in our, our, in our clients and, and my female colleagues is I spend time helping them to look at modifying and, and, uh, and developing the, the personal and professional skills to, to try and navigate when those styles collide. I would say there's a, another really big thing here as well, and that is that in the business world, nobody makes it on their own. 
they make it from having obviously the talent and the skill set to be able to do their jobs very well. They also need the mentoring and the sponsorship. And as I look across, especially the larger companies in our industry, um, I'm really encouraged to see a much greater emphasis on the mentoring part of it. And, and, and by the way, I have to shout out to women in HVAC and the mentoring program that they have, have created. I've been a part of that. I've been a mentor in that program, but I'm really happy to see that they're offering that on a broad basis across the industry. Uh, I would like to see more sponsorship, meaning um, you know, that there's, there's more of an effort to help develop and sponsor um, you know, really talented women into high-level jobs across the industry because there, there's, they can bring tremendous value. They don't always know how to best navigate the politics. To increase the numbers, because we know women are vastly underrepresented in the, the engineering industry. To increase those numbers, is that more of that outreach and sponsorship? Is that the answer? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I I think as a result of you know things like the Me Too movement and just a general recognition in the industry, not just HVAC, by the way, across the entire buildings, construction, architectural engineering fields, uh, there is I'm seeing a much greater emphasis on. On, on showcasing the, the women leaders and to look for young female professionals to come into the space. I think to keep them in the space, um, you know, I, no, no women that I know, and I certainly fall into this category, we didn't want anybody to make it easy for us necessarily. We just wanted the shot at being able to go do it. And so I think um, two things. One is I'd like to, you know, to see more attention given to what a successful career looks like in the industry, keeping in mind that success means something different to everybody. So to one person it might be, how do I get to the top job or, or you know, this in a company and to someone else it might be, how can I have a successful career and a successful personal life? And the more that we put out examples of what that could look like, the more I think, um, professionals coming into our, into our, our industry can see what that can, can envision what their career could look like and know how to know who to go to, to seek counsel from a mentoring standpoint, and then have examples of what they might want to emulate in terms of building their own career. So if you had to wrap all of that up into one last piece of advice for prospective women engineers, what would that be? Prospective engineers or professionals in the in the industry? Those that are considering joining the engineering industry. Yeah, yeah. so I would say the first thing is, um, and, and it's advice I gave my nephew when he was considering a career in, in engineering himself, uh, before you go take your first class in college, go spend time with different types of professionals in the engineering arena because engineers today not only design products or design buildings and systems uh, they're also working on industrial manufacturing uh, you know designing uh, material handling space spaces to accommodate our our, our, our growing um, uh, uh, internet-based business models uh, but they're also 
developing value propositions and customer facing um, marketing, um, marketing and sales messaging. Um, they're developing um, artificial intelligence and, and a, you know, an AI based uh, um, IT systems. Go spend time with engineers actually working in the profession to see what it looks like. So you have a view of what that could mean for you. And when, and when they come out of school, because knowing in school, we get exposed to a lot of theory. Um, and, and while in school, look for different internships that, that equip you when you come out of school with a greater set of skills than just the theoretical. And then the first couple of years out of school and early on in the career, just look at it as a continuation of your education. Don't be in a big hurry to advance. Be in a big hurry to develop your knowledge and skill set. The, 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 the advancement will come and your success will come if you invest in the time of being really good at what you do. And here's my last one, because you know I'm big on this. Go find yourself a good mentor. I am here today doing what I am doing because straight out of college, someone, someone recognized in me a talent that I didn't even know I had, and I didn't even know to ask for help, and they offered it. And, and my career today is a direct result of having some very gracious people help me along the way. Jane, from train to carrier to Friedrich and now AMK, you've accomplished a ton in your career, but I get the feeling there's a lot left there before you reach the finish line. So the big question here is, what does the future hold for you? Yeah, so I'm not really sure. I mean, I, um, one of the things I most love about AMK is that every day is different. Every challenge is different. And, um, and I'm a bit of a junkie on that. I, I, uh, I, we, we have, we have uh, a number of really exciting clients we're working with now across some very challenging market conditions. I think 2020 has thrown us a massive curveball. So Herb, even if I had a really good answer to give you before, before COVID hit, it went out the window. <laughs> I would say that in the, in the, probably over the next year, we are, we're going to continue to help our clients navigate these difficult market conditions and grow their business. Um, very excited about that. And that's across both products and the services, the building services space, because as you can imagine with, with COVID, there are a lot of building services companies out there trying to figure out how they're gonna be able to retain their building service customers. Uh, I, we're gonna, I'm gonna continue to um, offer training. I am totally um, in love with the idea of helping to equip the next generation of leaders that can, that can come in and help drive this industry forward. And then um, I look for every opportunity I can find to help develop not just the other women in this industry, but, but the, the men as well that really just want to make this HVAC industry a critical part of their career. Jane, this has been fantastic. If anyone that's tuning in is interested in connecting with you or applied marketing knowledge, where should they turn? Yeah, so the best place to do that would be on LinkedIn. Please reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, or uh, any of the AMK um, uh, team that's on LinkedIn, uh, Dave Morrow, Amy Myers, uh, Dan Sullivan, um, we would all welcome the opportunity to 
you know, at least, at least have a relationship. Um, but reach out, connect to us on LinkedIn, or just pick up the phone and call me at 502-759-9760. I'd love to talk to anybody. All right, Jane, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations again to be named for the list, and we look forward to tracking your career from here on out. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jane Sidebottom, and as she mentioned, if you're interested in connecting with AMK, visit www.amk-llc.com. The Percussive Maintenance Podcast is now available on iTunes. Be sure to bookmark us on your preferred mobile listening device so that you can enjoy all of our past and future episodes. We appreciate your continued support. And remember, if you can't fix it with your brain, you can always rely on a swift kick. We'll see you next time.